0: what is up all of my beautiful freaking people welcome back to another episode of fml talk you know guys the first episode of the month has become my favorite i am loving doing these solo episodes with you guys it's just you and me sitting down with a glass of wine or a bottle, no one's judging, and shooting the shit. And I feel like we're really getting into some great topics. I love the questions you guys are submitting. So sit back, grab a fucking cocktail, and welcome to FML Talk. Oh my God. Wait, how old was the other girl? 19, can you believe that shit? Hey, this is Gabrielle Stone. Hey. Good book? I not her second. He did what? 48 hours? What a dick. Yeah, but have you seen all the photos on our Instagram? <laughs> and this is FML Talk. Oh, no, she didn't. Okay, y'all, I am not going to start off this episode by lying to you. I am tired as fuck today. I sat down to record this and was like, Lord, help me pull the energy up from somewhere. Because your girl is tired. Why, you ask? Because life has been fucking busy. All good things, all great things some of which we're going to talk about today, some of which we're going to talk about next month in the next solo episode. But it's it's been fucking busy for one. We are officially drumroll, please. I wonder if that sound actually worked. That was me banging on my chest like a fucking gorilla. We are officially an escrow on a new house. Oh, my God, you guys, if you've ever bought a house. <laughs> Then you'll feel me on the feeling of why the fuck does anyone ever do this? I never want to do this again. <laughs> I remember saying that when Tay and I bought the house that we're living in now, I was like, this is miserable. The hoops you have to jump through to get the loan and the docu signs and the paperwork, like I want to pull my fucking hair out of my head. It is not a pleasant experience. And yet here we are doing it again. (laughs) So it's been a really crazy time in our lives, but all very, very exciting. We're, of course, doing this in tandem with having a wedding. So we literally move into our home and then we have a week and a half and then it's the wedding. So, we were just like let's really overachieve this month. <laughs> this is how it went. So, and it's been interesting. I've had a lot of different emotions around this. This first home that we bought together was like right when COVID hit, there was a lot of fear around it. I was still like having a panic attack about like is this the right thing? Like am I ready to be a stepmom? Like oh my god, it was a lot of pressure that I was feeling and Tay was so fucking great and just being like, "Look, dude, Either we're going to be wildly happy and this is going to be wonderful and it's going to be a great situation, or we end up breaking up and we have a really great investment property. And I will never forget looking at him as he said this to me in the midst of an anxiety attack and was like, oh, this is my person. (laughs) And I obviously stopped shitting my pants, got it together. And here we are (laughs) happily ever after many years later. And so it's it's a bit sad to be leaving this house behind. But his daughter is coming back in after this school year. And, you know, we eventually want to expand our family. And it was like, we need a bigger boat. (laughs) This was like a really great starter home for us. And it was time to make the move. And we found what is really a dream home for us. And we're really, really excited. It's kind of surreal. And I'm going to take a moment to be cheesy. And thank you guys that have listened to this podcast and bought my books and bought all the merch that we sell and continued to support me in such a massive way because you are a big reason why this dream has become a reality. And I am forever grateful for that. So I can't wait to give you a house tour once we are all moved in and settled. I am trying really hard this time. I normally am like, we're moved in in two days flat. Everything's bought, it's purchased, it's put away. I'm really trying this time around to not, overdo it in that sense. Like, because I want to take my time with like designing different rooms and stuff and really like, you know, not rush to just like buy to get shit set up and done. Also financially, like I need to fucking not spend money for a very long time. So for a myriad of reasons, I'm trying to take a breath and take it slow on this venture. I am... Really excited to jump into some of your guys' questions today, because as always, they're fucking great. (laughs) Every time I go through them, I'm like, what more could we possibly discuss on this show? And then I'm like, oh, how do I even pick from all the fucking questions and submissions that are coming in? And then at the end of the show, as always, we are going to do a little FML story from one of you guys, which I'm so glad we brought those back. I'm loving being able to read them again. So let's get into it. I want to start with this particular question because it was so funny that it came in right after I posted on my Instagram story kind of a little mini rant about this, but I get this question a lot, so I know it's a hot topic, and we've never really discussed it on this show, and that is, how do you know when it's time to say goodbye to a friendship? This is such... a poignant thing to get brought up i have said on this show before many times that i am very ruthless with the people in my life loving but ruthless so the second someone kind of crosses me and shows me their true colors it's like i don't have time for that in my life anymore i have cut people out i there are people that i used to love dearly in my life and have long friendships with that i no longer Not, you know, no longer will answer a message if it comes in, but like we don't have a relationship anymore. So I really feel like I've dealt with this in the past, but recently it's become a little less about someone who has wronged me and more about someone who is just not putting in the effort anymore. And like I said at the top of the show, y'all, I'm fucking tired. And that means that in life, like when I'm grinding away on my career and I'm juggling all these different fucking things and all these plates are spinning in the air and I know how busy I am, if I still have time in my little brain to think about you and to reach out to you and to make an effort to try and make plans or to have a phone conversation or to check in and see how you're doing. Unless you're as busy as me, like there's no fucking excuse to why that's not a two-way street. So I think when the question comes of when is it time to say goodbye to a friendship, there are a few different answers to that. And we're gonna go through them in my perspective. This whole show is in my perspective. So like there's no like end all be all right or wrong. It's just like how I'm going through life and my advice on shit, take it or leave it. So there's different things as to when it can signify to be time to move on from a friendship. One is that you have nothing in common anymore and you've just grown apart. Which is totally fine and totally normal. Like if you've been friends since middle school, there's a pretty good chance that y'all like have gone on different roads throughout your life and have grown in different ways. And sometimes you need to honor that instead of forcing a friendship do you feel like the friendship has become work like are you constantly sighing and saying oh god I have to go have dinner with this person because it's like been a couple months and like it's it's time and I'm just gonna go and get it over with like why are you continuing to put that effort into a relationship. I mean, it's clearly not adding to your life. And if you're feeling that way, there's a pretty good chance that they're feeling like some type of way around it too. The second is really look at the friendship and like, are you guys adding to each other's life? Is there value there? Why are you keeping this person in your life? Is it because they're a family friend? Is it because you guys have known each other since kindergarten? Is it because... They were a bridesmaid at your wedding. Like, what is the reason that you feel you have to keep this person in your life? Because at the end of the day, the reason should be, I love this person. I enjoy spending time with this person. I care about this person. And I want to put effort into this relationship. Because like, bottom line, friendships take fucking effort. You have to put effort in on both sides pick up the phone call them shoot them a text every once in a while make plans put it on the calendar like you have to make an effort in whatever relationship you're in especially friendships because those are ones that you're choosing to have so look at first like why are you keeping this person in your life and then are you making an effort and are they making an effort because all three of those things have to be in harmony with one another Summer is here and life is not slowing down for us anytime soon. One of the things we have continuously relied on making our lives so much easier is Factor meals. No prep, no mess, no cleanup meals. I have really been off the wagon with my eating since having my son and for my health, my wellness, and my mental sanity, I have been switching my dinners to more healthy options from Factor. I think another thing that's really important on this topic to note is that as we get older, our circle gets smaller. I personally think that's a good thing. Like the people that I meet that are like, oh, I have 50 really close friends and, you know, I see them all the time. And like this, those people, like I question. I'm like, really? You have time to have like authentic, deep relationships with 50 fucking people. That's fishy to me. <laughs> the older I get, the smaller my circle gets, and I prefer it that way. It's A, less energy for me. B, I have more time to foster those relationships and put more time and effort into them to make them stronger and more meaningful. And it's. At the end of the day, it's like, how are you going to, if you're in a relationship, be in a relationship, foster that, you know, foster all your family obligations, make sure you're like doing all the things you need to do to like live a healthy life and, you know, make money and do your job and have 50 plus friends. Like, what cocaine are you doing? And can I have some? Because I need the energy. I'm kidding. That was a joke before everybody freaks out on the, the drug reference it's exhausting. So pick the people that you really care about having in your life and put intentional effort into showing them why they're in your circle. And if they are not reciprocating that and giving that to you in return, speak up, communicate, say something, give them a chance to rectify it. If they don't, maybe it's time for the friendship to not be there anymore. I just had a sit down talk with one of my really one of my best friends who's been in my life since high school. I love her dearly and we've both gone through a lot of changes over the past 2 years. I'm not going to give you what those changes are because that would specify it too much and I don't want you to know who this person is. Shout out if you're listening to this podcast. I love you, girl. And we sat down and I was like, "Look, dude, I feel like some of our values have shifted." And can you explain to me why you're presenting yourself in this way now when it's not that doesn't feel like the person I've known for the past 15 years? Why have you not been following through with plans like I'm too busy to have you get something on my calendar and have you canceled on me last minute? Like, I don't fucking have time for it. And we sat down and had a really great conversation where she addressed a lot of my concerns took responsibility and accountability for a lot of the things and we got back to a really good place of like okay this is like our game plan to try and foster the friendship because I even I said to her I was like look dude I get it like people change and grow and like everybody's got their own shit going on is this the time where it's like this isn't something I'm like ready and willing to put effort into. and if you don't feel that way that that that's okay. And she was like, "No, absolutely not. You're one of my best friends. Like I of course want to continue doing that. So sometimes it just takes sitting down and being open with the person to open their eyes to the fact that there needs to be more effort on their side. Let's segue from that to this fun question. Thoughts on staying friends after a breakup. <laughs> okay, so. Here's like the golden cardinal rule to follow. If it hurts you, stop fucking doing it. If you've broken up, and look, I'm fucking guilty of this because I've broken up with a lot of people. And usually the reason for that breakup is I feel like we've just become best friends and aren't like in a romantic relationship anymore. So obviously... Your default is to be like, but they're my best friend. How do I live without them? I don't understand how to function in this world without them. I get it. I have a girlfriend going through it now and I... (laughs) If you're listening to this, shout out, I love you. (laughs) And I keep trying to shake her being like, look, you just have to disconnect and detox from it. And you will realize that you are still, in fact, breathing on your own and living life and everything's okay." So the bottom line is, if it hurts, you don't fucking do it. If you are breaking up with someone and you are trying to jump into a friendship right away, and you're like, Ooh, I don't feel like I'm A, healing, B, like my heart is getting any better, C, like we have an appropriate line or distance in what our relationship is now. If they're hurting, like if the other person is hurting because of this, like every time Tay and I broke up, I think it's this is the fourth time we've gotten back together. Every time we broke up, we immediately were like, but like, let's be friends because like, I can't live without you in my life. And like, let's talk every day and text every day. That was miserable for him. It was miserable for me. We were both like grasping at straws to keep each other in our life, but didn't allow us to have the time and space that we needed to heal. So it's so important to really be clear, not on like, ooh, but my heart really wants to, but my like, I really need to be friends with this person so I don't feel as shitty about this breakup. No, fuck that. Feel shitty about the breakup. Be broken. Be pissed. Go through the fucking stages of grief because that's what a breakup is. And allow yourself to sit in that, move through it, and heal from it. Mm -hmm. Then when you're on the other side of that, if you're like, I actually don't have these like charged, triggered, emotional feelings for this person, if they feel the same way, then decide to like start a friendship slowly. I'm all for that. That's totally fine. If those things we just talked about are not in place, don't do it. (laughs) Don't do it. It's going to end badly for one of you. Okay. And furthermore, if you are going to go through the grieving process. If you are going to be like, okay, this is hurting me. This doesn't fucking feel good. How do I heal? How do I feel better? You have to go no contact. We have an episode coming up. I think it's actually this month, which is exciting, with a heartbreak coach. And she talks about the psychology behind what happens to the your brain when you're being crazy and stalking your ex's social media all the time. And it's fucking fascinating. So all of you bitches that are always DMing me and submitting questions, being like, how do I stop stalking my ex on social media? And I'm like, bitch, you just stop. She's going to give you a lot more insight as to why you need to stop and like the science behind what you're actually doing to yourself because you're only hurting you. You have to go no contact. You have to detox from the relationship. You have to look at the relationship like all the drug references today. You have to look at the relationship like you have been shooting heroin. And now you need to take the heroin away. You need to go to rehab. You need to let yourself detox so that you can wake up and see the world clearly. I can see clearly now the rain is gone. Um, I told you guys I'm tired and I'm not a fucking singer. (laughs) So you can wake up and see clearly and then realize, oh, I can actually function in the world without heroin, okay? Your ex is heroin, fucking detox, that's my answer. Can you address letting go of self-doubt? Oh, self-doubt, you're such a little fucking bitch. Yes, let's talk about this. So I think we've talked about this a lot on the mini bonus episodes, which if you have not, listen to those. Some of the seasons are just fun and ridiculous. Like there's one about book two with like all the Javier drama that like I've never talked about publicly. And some of them are fucking gold. Like I know that a lot of the Patreon subscribers go back and listen to them regularly because it's literally like therapy 101 walking you through how to heal some shit. And I know we've talked about this concept that I'm about to go into on the minis, but it bears repeating multiple times. One more time for the people in the back. Letting go of self-doubt. It's not simple, but it's very simple. You need to start policing your thoughts. What do you mean by that, Gabrielle? So glad you asked. Let me tell you. You need to start policing your thoughts. Anytime a thought of self-doubt comes up in any capacity, you smack yourself across the face, figuratively, not literally. Well, I mean, you know, whatever floats your boat. And you change that thought in the moment. So let's say you're going in for a job interview and you're like, my resume doesn't even stand a chance against the other applicants for this job. Like, why am I even bothering going on this job? Stop in the moment and redirect and change that thought. I am so worthy of getting this job. I am going to go in and kick so much ass, and they're going to see how incredibly valuable I am. In the moment, you stop. You literally talk to yourself and say, shut the fuck up, brain. This is actually the case. This is the truth. This is what we're going with. Even if you don't fucking believe it at first, you have to start policing your thoughts. It's like the rubber band technique. You know, you put a rubber band on your wrist and every time you like say or think about something negative, you like snap it or say pink elephants, whatever. But you're actually going to take the negative thought and change it into a positive. This is so powerful with self-doubt. You simply start to lie to yourself until you believe that you are fucking confident. It works. I promise you. <laughs> give it a try for the next month. Any negative thought that comes up in your brain, you stop. Make it a game with yourself. Be like, uh-uh, Gabrielle, we're not going there today, Chica. Actually, this is the uh this is what we're gonna go with. And you redirect and give yourself the positive version of that thought. It is so so important. This next question was really interesting. And I don't have a big explanation on it. But I wanted to offer what has given me a little piece around it. And it was fear of death. How to combat the fear of death. And I can't give you like, you know, I've had fear of abandonment, which stemmed from fear of people I love dying. I can't give you a direct answer into how to not be afraid of death like we're all going to die at some point in some capacity like it's all inevitable we're dying from the day that we arrive on this planet slowly but i will tell you for me personally and look i'm not we're not going to get into fucking like religion and beliefs of the afterlife like whatever you choose to believe that's your jam for me Meeting with John Edwards, who we've had on this show, I would recommend you going back and listening to that episode. Meeting with Medium Fleur, who I wrote about in Eat, Pray, FML, who came on season one of the podcast. Meeting with people like that, who are not like phony, you know, psychic people, who are truly gifted in talking to people on the other side that are giving you information that you can't argue with. That to me brought me so much peace in knowing that it's not just like everything goes black, we go into the ground, and like, (laughs) that's it. I truly believe that there is an afterlife. I truly believe that we are reincarnated and have had many, many lifetimes. Like, I think you guys know that from the people that I've brought on this show and the discussions that we've had. And that belief alone and that knowingness alone has really brought me peace in not fearing death. That's why some people turn, you know, really dive heavily into religion. Like they need something to hold on to and to believe in. For me, talking with mediums and seeing those like really meaningful signs was validation that we go on and our souls go on and gave me a lot of comfort. this is a fun, lighter question. Can you talk about how you found the courage to solo travel Europe? Yes, I got broken up with, blindsided. My shit was already packed. My ticket was booked and I was like, fuck it. I guess I have to go. (laughs) No, um, I can't say that I got on that plane and was like, I'm a fearless badass. We're going to go do this and it's going to be great. No, dude, I got on that plane and was like, what the actual fuck am I doing? Even my second solo trip that I wrote about in The Ridiculous Misadventures when I went to Asia, I panicked so hard at the airport. I remember calling Tay before we like went on our no contact little journey. And I was like, what the fuck am I doing? Like I was crying at LAX in the airport. And like ready to have a panic attack was like, why did you think just because you traveled Europe that you can get on a fucking plane, fly to goddamn Vietnam and like gallivant around Southeast Asia? Like you fucking know the language and shit. Like I was like, this is a bad idea. (laughs) Let me tell you that is so normal when you solo travel. It will probably happen any and every time you do it. I will also tell you that the second you're on the plane and the wheels are up that starts to fade away and you're like, oh, right, I'm a fucking badass. I got this. It's gonna be great. So the best advice I can give is just do it and push through it because what's on the other side always, this is like golden rule of life, what's on the other side of fear is fucking magic and like a lot of growth. So if you can know that you just have to breathe through it and that it's a momentary moment that will, a momentary moment that will pass, it's going to be incredible. So book the ticket. Book the fucking ticket and book it solo. Don't go with a friend. That's just a security blanket that you don't fucking need. And they're probably going to ruin the trip for you anyways, or at least make it a little bit less exciting. Book the trip and book it solo. You don't have to know that you have the courage. You just have to force yourself to do it. The courage will show up on the journey. How does an empath stop attracting narcissists? Cheating husband, then a Javier type. Okay, I'm eventually on this show going to lose track of topics we have covered, but I feel like we've talked about this a little bit before, but we're gonna do a little quick refresher because it's important and fucking worth it. If you are attracting narcissists, sociopaths, assholes, cheaters, it's not because you're an empath. Ooh, is anyone feeling triggered? Okay, take a breath, have a sip of your wine. Woosa, let's move on. It's not because you're a fucking empath. It's because that there's something inside of you, subconscious most likely, that you're unaware of that is attracting those people. It's not your empathy. There is something inside of you that is attracting those people. Let's use me as an example. I had fear of abandonment massive fear of abandonment. That was running my entire fucking life. After my dad died, after my high school sweetheart died, I was the walking poster child for fear of abandonment. So I started attracting people into my life that were going to abandon me and play that scenario out in different capacities. We also touch on this in the episode that's coming up in a few weeks with the Heartbreak Coach. And I was playing out these scenarios in different ways, expecting A different fucking result. So I attracted Daniel, my ex-husband, who was like, okay, I'm going to abandon you in one of the worst ways possible and cheat on you in our marriage and disrespect your body. And the universe was like, okay, great. She's going to get it now. She's going to get it now. Are we ready to heal the abandonment? And I was like, "Mm, fuck no, sir. I'm actually going to go over here and uh, date this hot guy. And I attracted Javier, who It's like really laughable. Quite literally abandoned me two days before we were getting on a plane on a trip that he fucking invited me on. And the universe was like, yes, she's going to get it now. Right. Are we going to heal the abandonment now? And I was like, fine. All right, I guess. And it wasn't until I went on the Europe trip, did the work, fucking healed my shit that I realized I was attracting men that would abandon me in some way, shape, or form. Did that mean it was my fault? Did that mean I deserved it? No, of course not. You don't deserve bad shit to happen to you. However, you do have to take some accountability and responsibility for the fact that if there is a pattern in your life, you are attracting that shit because there is something in you that needs to be fixed or healed. So as soon as I realized, oh, it's the abandonment thing. There's something to this. Maybe if we heal this, I can attract men and people into my life that won't fucking abandon me. And someone asked me the other day in my DMs, like, does that go for friendships too? Fuck yes. I've had friendships where I've gotten into like full on screaming matches with friends of mine. And realize like, why am I so fucking triggered by this? And I was like, oh, it's because what they're doing is making me feel abandoned. And that's bringing out the fear of being abandoned in this friendship. So yes, it's like crosses the board, like family members, friendships, relationships. So until you figure out what it is within you that is unhealed, what scenario, what pattern are you playing out with these people you're attracting into your life? What's the pattern? And then what does that pattern reflect of an unhealed trauma or subconscious belief for you? And then fucking fix that shit. Go to therapy. Do the fucking past life regressions, like whatever you need to do. Do the journal, like really dig into it and do the work. And then you will start to be attracting new shit in the future. I promise you, it is not because you are walking around with a flashing sign on your head that says, I'm an empath, come fuck with me. It's not that. And don't use that as a crutch to allow yourself to not take responsibility and figure out what it is that you need to heal and grow from. I also want to point out that in these questions, when everyone was submitting stuff, one of them said, I'm trying to figure out a question to say without getting roasted by your tough love. (laughs) And I absolutely love that. And I love you guys, but I will never not give you tough love that's another show. <laughs> like, Go to another show where they just like have fun, bullshitty episodes and like talk about nothingness. I want you guys to heal. I want you guys to be able to like really get some good shit and some good answers to go take out into your life so that you're having better experiences in the future. And I do that all lovingly. <laughs> all right. This is <laughs> this is a hot topic, y'all. Can you talk about being the other woman and breaking the stigma that you're automatically a homewrecker? Okay. (laughs) I feel like I'm about to walk through a minefield um, and I need to tread lightly. Here's the thing. Here's my opinion, my perspective on this whole situation. And this is coming from someone who's been in a marriage and who was cheated on. So keep that in mind. If you, the quote other woman, other man, whatever, the person who is not in the committed relationship, if you are fully aware that the other person is in a relationship, like you know they're married, you know that they're in a committed relationship, you know that there's like kids, whatever it is, if you are aware of the situation, Oh my God, I'm like, am I going to say it? Am I going to say it? Are people going to like revolt at me? If you're aware of the situation, you're a fucking asshole. That's it. Does that mean that the person who is stepping out on the relationship, who's responsible for the relationship, who is the one person whose shoulders it truly falls on, isn't an asshole? No, they're a bigger fucking asshole than you. But if you are aware Of this person is in a relationship or in a marriage or whatever, and you still make the conscious choice to say, fuck that, don't care, not my problem, and move forward with a relationship in any capacity, you're at fault too. You guys are both assholes. I don't care if you're in love, I don't care what the circumstances are. Like, you consciously made that decision. You're an asshole. You have to kind of like own that. And, Sorry if that pisses you off or makes you feel shitty about yourself. That's my opinion. Now, if you are the, quote, other woman, other person, and they have completely lied to you, you had no idea they were in a relationship, you did not know the circumstances, and you found yourself in this twisted, fucked up web unbeknownst to you, that's not your fucking fault let me be very clear. That isn't saying if the guy that you're fucking around with is like, we sleep in separate beds. I'm miserable. It's been over for years. I can't remember the last time we had sex. A, be smarter than that. He's probably fucking lying. B, do your goddamn due diligence and see if that's actually like factual and see why the fuck is he still in the relationship then because what, he's she's going to take half of his finances? Should have signed a fucking prenup. Not your problem. Okay? If you don't know the situation and you are really, truly in the dark, that is not your fault. Do not feel bad if that all comes to light. You are not the problem in that scenario. I am absolving you of any guilt that you have. If you knew and you chose to walk forward and make those decisions consciously anyways, you are part of the problem. Does it still fall mainly on the other person because are they responsible for the relationship that they are in? 100 fucking percent. That doesn't mean you're not an asshole. I'm sorry, I said it. That's my feelings on it. So do I think there's a stigma around being the other woman? Yes. Do I think that's warranted in some ways? Depending on the situation, yes. And, you know, I've seen other influencers go on to fucking TikTok and be like, it's not my responsibility to protect your relationship and to da-da-da-da-da. It's like, no, it's not. Does that make you not an asshole for choosing to consciously do it? No. So own that. If you're gonna do it, own it. But you're both the problem at that point. There's never a reason that someone who is actively cheating shouldn't be able to leave the fucking relationship. There's just not like that's why there's divorce. You know, if they want to be with you, pony up and get a fucking divorce, bro. It's as simple as that. I want to remind everyone of the episode we did a few weeks back with Gelliana about our soul contracts when we come in. And that's not just for you and your relationship partner. I 100% believe that Laurel, the 19-year-old who had an affair with my husband, was meant to do that. I 100% believe that she was instrumental in saving me from a very horrible situation. And I am so grateful for that. So I don't want you to think that just because you are the Other woman or other person in the triangle scenario, that that's not part of your path as well. Doesn't mean you're not an asshole if you're consciously doing that. However, that situation might be happening to you in your life. For not might be, is happening to you in your life so that you can learn your own lessons and grow and heal from that. Because really at the end of the day, you guys, that's what we're all doing, floating on this fucking rock through space is we are here for our souls to learn lessons. Sometimes those lessons suck. Sometimes they're fucking amazing. We all play different parts in those lessons within our lives with each other. So do with that what you will. I really, truly wonder if I'm going to get a really gnarly dm from someone that didn't want to i'm sorry i can't come on here and be like you're totally not a homewrecker if you knew he was married and you like started to like sleep with him anyways it's totally fine it's not fine guys i'm sorry like i gotta be real with you all does that mean you're a terrible fucking human being and like you should go straight to hell no of course not like people make mistakes and do stupid shit but like learn grow and heal from it and make different choices in the future that's all i'm saying I want to end on this question, and then we will get into our FML story segment, and that is advice on discerning intuition versus ego. And I think this is a really interesting question because you're correct. The lines can get very blurry, and they're very in the same wheelhouse, if you will. Intuition is something that you need to practice paying attention to. It's not just something that you can decide like, oh, this feeling in the pit of my stomach, that's my intuition. Like you really have to get in tune with yourself. Medium Fleur actually has a journal. Again, that's the, the medium that I wrote about in Eat, Pray, FML. She has a journal, I think it's like a journal or a workbook that's about getting in touch with your intuition and how to start developing that as like a muscle, if you will. So I would definitely recommend going and checking out her website or her page. I think her her Instagram is just Medium Fleur, and get that. Like that's a really powerful tool because intuition is something that can guide you not just like oh fuck I'm being cheated on, but in a way that's like you know is this the right decision for me to leave this job and make this job? Is this the right decision for me to buy this new house and like make my mortgage payment be a lot fucking higher? You know, intuition is something that you need to get quiet and go to your heart center and check in with yourself and really be like, okay, what is my gut trying to tell me? And then discerning if, is it fear-based Or is it coming from a place of love? You cannot make decisions from a place of fear. Well, let me rephrase that. You can, it will not serve you. If you can get through the fear aspect of it and realize like, okay, these are the fears that are coming up. Where do those fears stem from? How can I let some of those go? and then go back to a place of love and make the decision from there and check in with your intuition from there, that's going to really serve you in the long run. All right, here it is. It's time. We are going to jump into some of your FML stories. Let's get into it. Hey, Gabrielle, I'm writing to you as a recently single 29-year-old trying to navigate through a massive heartbreak and this next chapter of my life as my ex unexpectedly broke up with me five, five days before we were supposed to move into our new home and start our lives together. What a dick move, bro. Somehow, my ex woke up and decided, wow, what a better time to abruptly end our relationship, tell my current girlfriend that I no longer love her, and rip the rug out from underneath her just five days before our move-in date. (laughs) Great timing, bro. My sentiments exactly. For context, my ex and I were together for two years. He was my first boyfriend. He taught me the true meaning of love, a love I thought I was never capable of receiving or reciprocating. We had all the talks, marriage, children, everything. Prior to meeting him, I was traveling and working abroad. A relationship never fit into my narrative, mainly because of the constant traveling, but also because of some deep-rooted trauma and underlying beliefs that I would later uncover. One minor detail to my story, right before our move, I embarked on a solo trip, not by choice, to Colombia. Traveler, remember? I was expecting my boyfriend to want to come, or come out of obligation, even, and he didn't. Awkward. While in Colombia, he was calling me constantly, reminding me how much he loved and missed me. Oh, it's all so familiar. The day after I arrived home, we met up. He sat down on my bed and proceeded to tell me he no longer loved me, he wasn't moving in with me, and that this was over. Oh, and the best part, a message from his female co-worker came in asking, how'd it go? You guys, I swear to God, now I'm understanding from these FML stories why people relate to Eat Pray FML so fucking much because it's literally like the verbatim of the same scenarios. Oh, I feel you, girl. That night, fully aware of my triggers and abandonment issues, he abandoned me. His mind was made up while my world was shattered. Here I was blindsided, incredibly confused, devastated, and terrified. I have never experienced such an immense pain in my entire 29 years of life. I genuinely had no idea what I would do next. So, what did I do next? I cried, I journaled, I reflected. In all of this devastation, I realized there can be so much beauty in the loss. Ooh, say it one more time for the people in the back. I realized in the devastation, there can be so much beauty in loss. This loss created an opportunity for me, an opportunity to recreate myself. Beautiful new beginning. That's what I'm saying. And redefine the trajectory of my life. An opportunity to take my power back. I realized that in my relationship, there were times where intuition was screaming at me, and I just simply suppressed it. I suppressed it because I was scared. I could never imagine my life without him. I was terrified to lose him and terrified to be alone. As a result, my ex's decision forced me to face these fears and realities head on. And now I'm on my own. I've come to learn that there's nothing to be afraid of and that I can rely on myself. Truly, I am fine on my own we are all fine on our own. And for that, I am grateful. Grateful for my independence. Grateful for my solo trip. Grateful that I got this new beginning. Grateful to see how the rest of my life unfolds. Grateful for it all. Written by Kelsey. What a fucking great goddamn entry. Thank you for sending that in. Ugh. My heart is just like singing for you. Anytime someone is going through that devastating heartbreak, I try and remind them this is your beautiful new beginning. This is a chance to fucking reinvent the narrative. If you can harness that and take that power, it can be life-changing in the best ways. Oh, I'm so proud of you, girl. Thank you so much for sending that in. Just fucking chef's kiss. Next month... Dun dun dun. I have a little announcement to make, and I thought, what a better time to do it than uh, on the solo episode because, you know, this is where we uh, shoot the shit and celebrate. So bring the wine, I'll bring mine, and I'll see you here April 5th. All right, FMLers, if you don't want to miss an episode, make sure to follow on your favorite podcast app. And if you're loving the show, drop us a five-star rating and leave a review. You can keep up with me on Instagram at Gabrielle Stone or the podcast page at FML Talk Podcast. For all the merch and books signed personally by me, you can shop the FML line on eatprayfml.com. And as always, have a fucking self-love cocktail on me. Cheers.